Girlfriends, episode number 87, Finding Hope and Healing with Maria Dunlap. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about hurricanes, continuing to trust in Jesus, and finding hope and healing after painful loss with our special guest, Maria Dunlap. I can't wait to share it all with you, so let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad to be back here with you. Happy New Week. Happy Monday. It's Monday when I'm recording, but you won't hear this till Tuesday. I usually record first thing in the morning on Monday, but it has been an off weekend leading right up into my Monday morning. I am off. I tell you, I am off. And the reason I'm off is because of the hurricane. I have been a mess. Honestly, I've been a mess. And we're living here in New Hampshire. So you might be wondering why I'm a mess about the hurricane. But many of you know that uh, my son Ambrose goes to school at Ave Maria down in South Florida. And it's just been a roller coaster ride of emotions and trying to make important decisions and trying to figure out what's best for him for like a week. Honestly, why did we know about this hurricane so far ahead of time? It killed me because it just seemed like we had many days in which to worry about it and stress about it and get anxious about it and change our minds about it and not know and get new information and find that the hurricane was now traveling a different path. And oh my gosh, what an exhausting mess. Um, So anyway, all is well. Ambrose is well, although I have not yet heard from him um, since the hurricane passed through there because um, they lost cell service for Verizon, which is what our phone plan is. And there's power outages as well. So I'm guessing he also doesn't have Wi-Fi. But I did um, get a message from the school uh, just about a half hour ago. So um, I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. So Ambrose went dark yesterday around 5.30 p.m. He was texting with us about the storm right up until then. And then he was gone. And we didn't hear from him all through the night, all through this morning, up until, you know, a little while ago this afternoon when the school contacted us with a, one of those call all in the president of the university had posted an update about everyone is well on campus. And that's really all I wanted to hear. He's okay. Eventually he'll get back cell service. But let me tell you, in the meantime, I have not been great at handling the stress of worrying about him. Well, I mean, I was great except for when I wasn't. You know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe you don't. Well, okay. So for example, Saturday, we were, um, we had just decided that Ambrose should, in fact, you know, um, just the day before had decided he should, in fact, stay on campus. We were we had a few different options for people that he could go and stay with some friends of ours in Georgia, some another friend's parents and grandparents in uh, northern Florida or in Alabama. And, you know, he has a car on campus. So it was very possible for him to leave. And at one point, we decided that was what was best for him. Um, He seemed to agree. And then the more he looked into it, he realized there's no gas around. He wasn't able to get gas. You might have seen that on the news, um, that some places were running out of gas in Florida as people were all hitting the road and evacuating. So um, he had about a half a tank and he said, I'm worried I'm going to end up getting stranded on the road, which is actually worse than being here in, you know, um, hurricane safe buildings, which is what they have at Ave Maria. So 
We ended up deciding that he should stay and then changed his mind again, like the next day when the hurricane path changed and it looked like it was coming straight at Ave Maria. Honestly, I felt like that's what the maps were. I was looking at the maps in the track of the storm and it looked to me like it was just heading right at my baby boy. So really not good for me to be watching those weather reports. I found I wasn't really good about handling that anxiety. So that was um, not the best. <laughs> anyway, we finally ended up deciding it was best for him to stay on campus. The The buildings they have there are hurricane rated. They have generators on every floor. They were they had, you know, ample food and water. And President Toey was really good about updating parents and reassuring parents that um, they were well prepared for what was coming and that our kids were in good hands. And let me tell you, these updates from the president of the university um, really were very touching because they're so faith-filled and you could just feel inside of these updates how much he loves the students and loves the school and what a beautiful place that is. So that part was very reassuring. Um, but anyway, so I was doing fine. I thought we had a reasonable plan and all was well. And um, Saturday late, Dan got out of work late and we went to a late dinner together, which was nice because we haven't done that in I don't know how long. Um, we don't have to get babysitters and that kind of thing anymore, but it's just been a crazy season and we haven't had the opportunity to really go out together like that. So it was nice when Dan asked if I would go out with him and it was a late dinner that we were going to have together. And so we go to this restaurant that's a favorite of ours and it was pretty quiet in there. We had a great conversation. We were really connecting. It was awesome. And then my phone starts dinging and I picked it up and looked at it and it was messages from my sisters. I have like a group chat with my sisters where we do girl talk. It's awesome usually. <laughs> but in this case, it was my sisters who were very concerned about Ambrose and they were um, checking in with me about him. You know, they were seeing those same weather forecasts that I had been watching and getting fearful. And um, they weren't, you know, feeding my anxiety so much, but they were worried. And just reading those through those texts, I just burst into tears. And it seemed to just kind of come out of nowhere. Like I thought I was fine. And all of a sudden I wasn't. So um, that was... Not the best because <laughs> Dan's reaction, well, I'll, I'll say he was bewildered because he thought I was fine. He thought all was well. He thought we had a good plan and we were feeling good about Ambrose's safety and our plan for his for keeping him safe through the storm. And, and then all of a sudden I was just this hot mess of tears and he didn't know what to do with me and it ruined our evening and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, um, I, I've done some reflecting since then because that's not the only time that that happened <laughs> over the course of the weekend. But um, what it made me realize was how very different men and women are in how they handle these kinds of things. But even a very particular way, how different Dan and I are, you know, um, this is worth reflecting on inside of your marriage, if you're married, uh, that the ways you respond to stressful situations is different. Like, uh, Dan gets very all business and removes emotion from the equation when he's concerned about something. I kind of do the opposite. And it all just becomes about feelings. <laughs> and, um, he finds that annoying. And I find what he does annoying. <laughs> so, um, you know, times in our in our marriage and in our family life that have been stressful, and I'm sure this is not unique to us, are the times when you most want to feel on the same page as your spouse and feel supported by your spouse and feel close to your spouse and have that kind of encouragement and comfort from your spouse. But I find it's really hard to find those things inside of stressful moments, inside of crisis moments, inside of our family life. 
because we're just approaching it so differently. And the way the other person approaches it just rubs us the wrong way. And it's tough to get along in those circumstances. It's tough. So I was dealing with that and just really reflecting on that. I think I've gone through it enough times, not necessarily hurricanes. Okay, this is our first hurricane that I've ever actually worried about um, with regard to our, our family's immediate safety. But with other with other crises inside of our family life over the years, for sure, everybody has their stuff, right? Um, but I found it was helpful this time that I'd gone through it enough and I could recognize how different our responses were and how unhelpful we were to each other inside of those moments. So I don't have a solution I don't have some great way to make it all go smoothly the next time, but I think at least being aware of the different ways you respond to tense moments and stressful situations is actually helpful. Like the next time I can, and this time even too, a little bit, I could have that perspective like, okay, I'm doing that thing and he's doing that thing and we're bigger than this and we'll get through this. Uh, this is just um, kind of an unpleasant time right now. Um, but so I want to encourage you to, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, to give some thought to that because I think it's helpful outside of the moment to give thought to those kinds of things. Even a conversation about those kinds of things with your spouse, if um, you want to do that, can be really helpful outside of the heat of the moment. Inside the heat of the moment, not so helpful. You know, when I'm like a big mess of tears, don't, don't try to talk to me about that stuff. <laughs> but and, and when Dan's annoyed at my tears, don't try to talk to him about that stuff. But outside of it, I think it's really helpful to reflect on it and to just be aware of your own tendencies, your own temperament, your own personality. Everybody's different. And I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way. I will definitively say that neither Dan's nor my approach is the perfect one. Okay, I know that much. <laughs> and when you put the two of them together, it can be a little bit, a little bit sticky. Anyway, like I said, praise God, all is well. And I'm waiting to hear um, from Ambrose as soon as he's able to call us, which I'm hoping will be before the end of the day. But if it's not, I will be okay. I know he's okay. And just all of this has been uh, a real kind of reminder to me, like along the themes of what we were talking about just last week, about trusting in Jesus and how hard that is, how it's easy to say you trust God, and you trust in the providence of God, but it's hard to actually do it. Okay, so you might have heard the phone ringing at the end of that last sentence. And through the miracle of podcasting, we're now about 30 minutes in the future because Ambrose called. That was Ambrose calling. And he's okay. I knew he was, but it was really good to hear his voice. And um, he told me just a little bit. He was using a friend's phone that was running out of battery, so he wasn't able to talk for too long. But he told me a little bit about the storm, and uh, it sounds like it got a little crazy there. But his car is okay. He's okay. He's working out a way to get access to electricity to do his nebulized meds, which are important for his health. So I'm happy about all of that and relieved. And, you know, guess who was a hot mess of tears? Again! on the phone, because that's what I do. Apparently, it's getting annoying. <laughs> but I'm really relieved. And I'm so grateful that he's well and all of his classmates are doing well. And it sounds like there's a mess on campus. And there was a tornado on the football field that mangled the bleachers and exciting things like that, that can be taken care of that can be repaired. Um, so very, very grateful for that. Okay, enough about hurricanes. I'm so sick of hurricanes. <laughs> so we're going to move on along the themes of trusting in God and how hard that can be to do trusting in his plan, 
even when it's hard, even when you're facing terrible loss. Uh, my special guest this week is Maria Dunlap, who has a really beautiful story of bringing something beautiful and something good and generous and fruitful out of the pain of terrible loss, the loss of her child. So um, I hope you'll appreciate this conversation with Maria and the good things that she's doing with Vivian's Victory. Take a listen. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited here today on Girlfriends because a good new to me girlfriend is joining us today. Her name is Maria Dunlap. Maria Dunlap is the founder and executive director of Vivian's Victory, a nonprofit that helps families as children heal. Maria and her husband, Rod, saw the need of families during long hospital stays with their children after they experienced a 59-day stay with their first daughter, Vivian. Maria lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, with her husband and four crazy kiddos, Iris, Fulton, Augie, and Zelly. Welcome to Girlfriends, Maria. I'm really glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. Yeah, and I'm excited to share with our listeners the good work that you're doing with Vivian's Victory. Let's start with just some people might have heard of of your ministry, but other people might not be familiar with what it is. Let's just start there. Can you explain exactly what Vivian's Victory is and what you do, what your mission is? Absolutely. So Vivian's Victory is a nonprofit. Um, We are dedicated to assisting families with practical and emotional needs during their hospital stay and when they transition home. A lot of families um, experience NICU stays, um, any kind of pediatric specialty um, care stays with their child. And it, it requires a lot of attention for that child and for the parents to kind of stop the life outside of the hospital to be there with their child. And unfortunately, many families aren't able to do that. And so Vivian's Victory comes in and assesses the family's needs and say, you know, how can we help you? Whether it be gas cards, rent, um, car payments, whatever their practical need is, we help them with those items so that they're able to spend more time with their children in the hospital. And my husband and I um, saw a need for this while we were in the hospital with our first daughter, Vivian. She was prenatally diagnosed with a heart defect, and we lived in the hospital with her during her 59-day life and were so supported by so many people, family, friends, and even strangers, that we were able to see the real stark reality that a lot of families faced. And um, so when she died, we just felt like, you know, her mission didn't end when Mm -hmm. she died. It really began because we saw a need and um, just felt like our, her mission was to allow us to see it so that somebody would address it and, um, you know, take it on. So here we are. That's beautiful. And now, now you mentioned your daughter um, in her heart condition. Tell us a little bit more about your experience with Vivian in her short life, perhaps starting from the beginning, because you, you knew before she was born, right, that you were you were going to be um, challenged in this way. Yes. Yeah, we did. So um, like any first time mom, super excited when I peed on that stick, saw that positive, positive pregnancy test. Mm hmm. Counting down the days to the 20-week ultrasound because even though I was the oldest of seven kids, I was totally green to the fact that there's a real purpose for the 20-week ultrasound besides just finding out the gender of your baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) So we go into our 20-week ultrasound and um, the ultrasound tech you know, told us it's a girl and my heart, I thought was going to leap out of my chest because secretly I really wanted a a girl because fun are baby girls and dressing them up and all those fun things. Um, but just seconds after that, 
she continued to say, and there's something really significantly wrong with her heart. I need the doctor to come in here. Oh, gosh. So we found out on March 7th of 2012 that Vivian had a heart defect called hypoplastic left heart syndrome or HLHS. Um, the diagnosis is the left side of the heart is informed completely. It's on, it's a spectrum and hers was a more moderate to severe on the spectrum because her left side was just kind of a blob. There was no separation. And, but the doctors assured us, you know, it's, this is not a death sentence. There's a three part surgery that kids go through, you know, mm-hmm. there's no reason for us to think worst case scenario. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of big question marks, but no reason to think worst case scenario. So for the remainder of my pregnancy, my husband and I learned a lot about what HLHS was, what was involved in having a child with HLHS. And we Mm -hmm. really kept hope that, you know, our child was not going to die, that there was hope for her life and Mm -hmm. for her to have a semi-normal life. Um, She was born on July 24th of 2012. And it was so many miracles happened in her birth. We were able to hold her right after she was born. She was perfectly pink. The doctors had freaked us out that we weren't going to be able to hold her, that she was going to be blue, that they were going to have to just whisk her away. And we actually, none of those things happened. Wow. So, yeah, it was really an amazing moment. She came out screaming, just absolutely beautiful. Wouldn't have known that there was anything wrong with her. She just looked like a beautiful, perfect newborn baby. Mm-hmm. At that point, though, she was taken to Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and my husband went along with her, and our journey really with Vivian started at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, three days after she was born, a geneticist came into our room and told us that she actually had a chromosomal defect called Turner syndrome. And so the absence of one X chromosome, it happens in females only, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also is on a spectrum, a very mild to very severe. And the mild is um, people walk around having Turner syndrome and don't realize they have it until it's time for them to begin puberty and they don't. Or so severe that um, the babies don't live past the first trimester. Oh, my gosh. The geneticist looked at us and said, I'm going to be honest with you. She shouldn't have lived past the first trimester. Oh, gosh. gosh. Yes. So at that moment, we were like, this is miraculous and that she's alive, that she was born the way she was, that she was breathing room air, and that she had all of these things wrong with her on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the doctors were very stumped as to what to do. They'd never seen a case like this in a live baby before. And so um, we waited for about a week uh, before... The doctors decided that the best thing to do was to fix her heart because if we didn't fix her heart, she had no real chance of survival. Right, right. So that week, looking back, was such an amazing week because she was not intubated. She, We were able to hold her. We were able to give her baths. We were able to do these things, granted, in a hospital setting with wires all attached to her, but it wasn't so invasive. Sure. Um, so that, that week was really a... a a week that was just such a gift that we had to, to spend that time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, after when she was a week old, she had a heart surgery and it went great. However, her body couldn't function the way it needed to with her heart compromised. Mm-hmm. And so on September 21st of 2012, we as parents had to make a really difficult decision 
um, whether to continue to do things to her or to know that there is nothing left for us to do for her. Right. And so right. we, we, um, you know, we had to make that really difficult decision, but I will tell you, honestly, Danielle, I look back on that day and, um, it was so, so miraculous and so beautiful that we got to escort our daughter into life on earth and escort her into life in heaven. Um, wow which was absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I always kind of joke, like I was always so afraid to die, but that moment in our hospital room, I mean, heaven and earth were just colliding together and I just felt her soul jump out of her body and knew she was so happy. And so I knew that, you know, we, we did our job and um, that she, she had chosen to live this life and to, she chose her mission and that, I just knew when she jumped out of her body that she was ready to continue and ready to really do what she was created to do um, from heaven. And so, um, but during that time, those 59 days that we were living in the hospital, like I said, we were so well supported by so many people that we really were able, you know, we were financially taken care of. We were emotionally taken care of Mm -hmm. uh, that. We were really able to just focus on being there with Viv, loving her, caring for her and feeling our own feelings. As they were coming, mm-hmm. um, but we, you know, just saw so many families that weren't able to. I two two examples. I mean, stick with me to this day. Um, there was a mom. It was a week that Viv died um, at the beginning of the week, and I was in this parent lounge, and I I knew Viv was going to die, and I was just completely devastated. And this mom walks in just sobbing, and I'm thinking to myself, I need to say something to her. <laughs> right. I, I honestly am sitting here like. I don't, I don't know if I have it inside of me to console anyone at this point. Sure. You know? Understandably so. <laughs> so I said to her, I just kind of looked at her, I was like, are you okay? And she looks at me still sobbing and says, we're being discharged tomorrow. Oh my gosh. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, this is not like a happy sob. This is like, I am mortified of my life sob. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I just, I just kind of looked at her and put my hand in her hand and I was like, well, what, that's exciting, right? And she just looked at me and she said, I don't know how I'm going to afford the gas to come for the follow-up appointments. I don't know how I'm going to afford the prescriptions to keep my son alive. I don't know how I'm going to keep him away from my other kids, how I'm going to work because he can't, I can't afford daycare. My son is safe and alive here at the hospital. I don't know how that's going to happen when we leave. Oh my gosh. How hard. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, all I want to do is take my child home and I know I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to be taking your son home and you're afraid of how you're going to keep him alive. Mm -hmm. Like there is something so wrong with this. Right, exactly. And we had another family that was just a couple of rooms down from us whose son was in for his third surgery. He was three and a half years old. His dad, um, his FMLA ran up, and so he had to go back to work because he had other kids at home. Well, his son um, just de-escalated so quickly, he wasn't there when his child died. He couldn't get to the hospital soon enough. Like, talk about living with guilt for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. that you weren't there when your child died. I mean, this is real life. These are real things that people are going through, and this is only two examples. I mean, we were on a floor of 70 families. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. these are the other, the only two. Mm-hmm. And so 
for me, when we left the hospital without Viv, knowing the, knowing how we felt being able to be there with her, right. knowing what other families were going through, it was just evident that something needed to happen and someone needed to do something. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, she just kept, we, my sister, so I said earlier, I, I don't know if I said it or not, but I'm the oldest of seven kids. Mm-hmm. And my sister was going to be a senior in high school when we found out of Viv's diagnosis and she had to do a capstone project. So she put together this walk for, to benefit Rod and I, my husband. So we were able to have the money to not, you know, to take time off work and mm-hmm. do all these things. Well, um, so we had kind of this, you know, this money that we didn't need to use that when we left the hospital and we're, you know, experiencing all these things and seeing these families and feeling like we need to do something, you know, we were like, okay, well, we have this money and we can't like go to Disney world. You know, <laughs> like, right. we, have, we have to use it for why people gave it to us. And so we just, it was crazy. We just started hearing about these families that had children that had significant diseases or had, you know, these crazy random um, diagnosis diagnoses that needed financial help. And so we mm-hmm. were able to help these people. And after we did it a couple times, my husband and I were just like, you know what? It's not just these people. And it's not just the people that we're going to hear about. There's so many more people that are going to need this. Oh yeah. And we experienced that. And so in 2014, Vivian's victory became a 501 C three. And since then we have impacted just under 3000 families um, about, or I'm sorry, over 300 of them have been through our application, which is available online, which is where the families are able to, if they're able to fill out the application, say exactly what their needs are, the amount of money they're requesting, then we receive it, review it and and help them in the way we can. And through Mm -hmm. those applications, we have um, given out over a hundred thousand dollars to families in the past three years. Um, we've also been so blessed to have gifted five cars to families Amazing. that people donated. Yeah, people donated to us cars. It's so funny. I always joke, you know, I, I kind of say something like, oh, we need this kind of flippantly. And always, just moments later, I'm hearing from someone that they have it. We did a, uh, I, I had said on um, the radio with Annie Mitchell, we needed a car. And all of a sudden, the next day, I get a phone call from someone that they have a car that they want to give us. And oh then it gosh. just you know, escalated to five cars. And we Amazing. were at our this year. And I said, oh, by the way, a family needs a washer and dryer. By the end of the 5K, we had a washer and dryer for this family. And so wow. what's really unique, though, about what we do is we are not a one-size-fits-all model. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that every family is so different. You can attest that. Anyone probably listening can attest that. Your family's needs are not the same as your neighbors. Right. And it's the same thing when these families are in the hospital. That unique situation doesn't go away. It stays there, and it becomes even more unique based on your child's diagnosis and, and their needs. Mm-hmm. And so we view each family individually and see what their needs are and then assess how we're best able to assist them. Right. What a beautiful, beautiful ministry. What a beautiful way for Vivian's story to continue beyond when you lost her here on earth to continue 
what what you call her mission. I mean, I am so I, I just I, I just think it's so beautiful. And, you know, having experienced in in different ways and in much less serious ways, um, visits to children's hospitals over the years. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that that need is there and it's ever present, mm-hmm. that there's yeah. so many stories and everybody's story is different, but everybody has that need. And it's often those things that you're talking about, like the gas carts, the car, the washer, the dryer, those really practical things that people mm-hmm. don't think about. Like your baby's in the hospital. They think, okay, that's your major problem. Well, of course it is. <laughs> but at the same time, it's all those other practical things and the expenses that you don't think about immediately. Right, exactly. And they and they continue. Life continues outside yeah. of the hospital. And it's like how that that's so it's sometimes so hard for people to understand if they haven't experienced it. You know, you can't it's already tough enough to be in two places at once trying to straddle that fence on how to just be in both places, but to keep yourself above water in both mm-hmm. places is is virtually impossible. Right, right. Yeah. And exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you, you know, you mentioned the family that had other children at home and the dad had to work. I mean, those are very practical things, but it's, yeah. it's just reality. And along those lines, maybe you can share with listeners, um, how has your family changed since Vivian? Because we heard a little noise in the background earlier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, my family has changed dramatically and very quickly. Um, we, <laughs> we have four children, three and under. Iris is three and a half. Fulton is two and a half. Augie is 18 months and Zelly is six months. And so um, they are, they're wonderful. And if, if you would have asked me six years ago, what my life would have looked like. This is nowhere close to the picture I would have painted for you, but it's amazing. And we're very blessed that it's really awesome, Danielle, because, um, you know, Vivian is so much a part of our family and a part mm-hmm. of our life. And the things that I talk about that, um, you know, up until a few months ago, I very selfishly <laughs> didn't think anyone would grieve Vivian's death the way I did or that would feel as sad as I did that she was that she was gone Mm -hmm. and my daughter Iris my three and a half year old she came up to me one day and um, we had a a bear made we call it our Vivi bear it's made out of the few outfits that she wore in the hospital oh that's sweet so it's a tangible Vivi memento that when we're sad or whatever we hug the Vivi bear we try to have it in pictures so that we have some some kind of remembrance of Viv is with us um she's still part of our family well my daughter was holding the bear and she just looked at me and she said mommy I miss Vivi so much do you think I can go to heaven to see her Oh and I'm like, gosh. well, I hope you don't go to heaven to see her. Can you just calm down a minute? Like, <laughs> don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. But, you know, it just hit me. Like, you know, her sweet little soul, she knows she's missing someone. Right? She knows there's this person that she is never going to see on this earth, that she's never going to experience. And for me, that was such an aha moment that mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, Viv is so much a part of our family that we all miss her and that we all are going to grieve in our own way right. about, about the loss that, yeah. that we have. That's beautiful. And so it, it really is. But it, to me, it, it was like a bittersweet thing. Cause it was really cool that, um, you know, I, 
that that she feels that. I mean, right. cool isn't the right word, but you know, it was really just it just made me feel like I was doing something right as a mom and being yeah. family, you know. <laughs> exactly, because as much as she's grieving and feels a loss there, it's also a gain. It's her big sister who's in heaven. I yeah. Mean, which is kind of kind of awesome. I kind was, of awesome. Kind of awesome. I was telling her, you know, Iris, in my family, there's four girls and three boys. Well, for a very long time, there was just three girls and three boys. And it was always like we were at a stalemate as to, like, whose video was going to win or, you know, <laughs> like where we were going to go to eat because it was always a tie. And I was like, you know, the really cool thing is, is that your sister's in heaven, so girls always win. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. And, and you know what I love, Maria, is that in inside of your story of and your family story and Vivian's story, that um, there's there's such an incredible amount of suffering and loss and pain and hardship and that kind of challenge. And yet, what you've pulled out of it is such a beautiful, positive thing. Maybe you could speak a little bit about that. How you know in, in the church, I think that one of the most beautiful things our church teaches us is that our suffering isn't wasted. That our, our that beautiful, positive things can come out of our suffering, you know, um, that, because that's the great thing that we all struggle with as human beings. Like, why are we suffering? Why do little children suffer? Why is my baby sick? Why, you know, all these different things that impact our families, but none of that is wasted. And I think that Vivian's story is such a beautiful example of that. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's a grace. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I have done to, have it be something positive. I mean, it's a choice too. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where you have the grace to make the choice. And mm-hmm. I think, um, when I was pregnant with Viv, I kept a blog, um, to let family and friends and anyone really, you know, know about our status with Viv and kind of what we were going through. And there was this moment, um, and the only reason, honestly, that I remember is I went back and read through this blog, um, and I was so thankful that I kept it because I remembered we went to this doctor's appointment, um, and I don't really remember how far we were. I think it was like a month or six weeks before she was born. Mm-hmm. It was a cardiologist appointment, and um, they kept talking about there's this fluid in, in her body, and we can't figure out what it is, and they're all sitting there kind of talking about it, and Honestly, I don't remember anything the doctor said. I just remember that God told me, like as clear as you and I talking right now, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I'm allowing this to happen because I need my glory to be shown. Viv's going to let my glory be shown. And I remember just kind of like almost laughing and the doctors are like looking at me like, what? Like, we're telling you some really serious stuff here and you're like cracking a smile. And I, I was just like, I'm really sorry. I just, I just realized something and I had so much peace and I held on to that. Like mm-hmm. it was here for God's glory. And ultimately that's all of us right. in every situation, you know, that regardless of what happens, we see death as the worst case scenario. And in reality, it's not. Mm-hmm. If we live our life, the way that God needs us to, to bring him glory, death is the most amazing thing ever because we're going to be with him again. And, um, you know, 
I don't know. I, I think that experience, that was, that was a turning moment. I think for me, that it doesn't mean that I didn't have incredible sorrow. It doesn't mean that, you know, the moments that she was dying, the only thing I'm seeing in my head is the scene from the passion when Mary is like after um, Jesus is scour scourging and Mary's just wiping up this blood with right. these things and just devastating. I mean, that's the only thing I'm seeing when she's dying, you know, like, of course, it doesn't mean that the suffering, that the sorrow is not there, but the underlying feeling is that you, you know, God, I knew, I, I just knew God had given me that grace in that moment that I held onto so tightly that I, I knew that regardless of what happened, my feelings are okay. Mm -hmm. My anger, my sorrow, my, all of those things are okay because it's human. And what happened is real and God didn't choose it to happen, but he promised that he would be there right? and that he would take care of me and take care of her. And so, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, mm -hmm. that it was just a grace that wow. he gave me and that I, I really truly am beyond thankful for because, you know, we don't deserve it, but he gave it to me and it's been one of the greatest gifts. Cause I know that's why, why I'm here, mm -hmm. why, where I am. So obviously when you look at the fruits of what you've done in the short time, honestly, short time since Vivian was with you here that, um, that, I mean, if you go to viviansvictory.org, people can find out more. Um, maybe just before we have to wrap up here, Maria, you can share a little bit about how people might be able to help. Because I know there are people listening who are moved by what you're sharing, perhaps have experienced this themselves or have experienced loved ones going through similar situations. And I, I'm sure there are people who want to help or want to find out more about Vivian. So um, where can they go to find that out? Absolutely. It's really exciting, Danielle. Actually, right now we have just been approached by a donor that has said, I want to give you $7,500, but haven't matched. So we're actually running through the month of September until September 21st, mm -hmm. our be multiplied for Vivian's victory. So every dollar that's donated is doubled. Oh my gosh. And you can um, give a few different ways. The first way is you can actually text, text on your phone, mm -hmm. victory, to 91999. So it's 91999, text okay. victory. And you will um, receive a link to go um, to a donation page uh, for Vivian's Victory. You can also go to our website, which is the www.viviansvictory.org. Mm -hmm. You can make donations. If you're in the Cincinnati area, we are looking for volunteers always. We actually launched a new initiative at the beginning of this year called our pro bono managers. They're individuals that are volunteering about 10 to 20 hours a week, taking on significant roles within our organization. We currently have a client coordinator, a social worker, a grant writer, and a program and projects manager. We're looking for special events, managers, um, online. I need somebody that can do all of our online stuff because I just have issues with technology. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so there's multiple ways. If, if you're interested in any of those things, if you have a car that you want to donate, if you have a four family in Cincinnati that you would want to donate, <laughs> um, you know, we definitely are always looking for those kind of things. And you can yeah. email me directly at info at viviansvictory.org. But all of that information is also on our website, which again is www.viviansvictory.org. Wonderful. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing from people because Girlfriends listeners are some of the awesomest people on the planet. And I know that this is actually something that's very close to all of our hearts, especially as moms, especially as wives and um, people who are raising our families ourselves. So thank you, Maria, first of all, for sharing 
sharing your story with us here today on Girlfriends, but most of all, for the beautiful work you're doing, the beautiful work you're allowing God to do through Vivian in your heart, in your family, in your life, and in your community. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. It really is a, a gift to be in the situation. So thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome to talk with you. And I'm, I'm so excited. And, you know, I, I really am very blessed that we were able to share our story because everyone knows someone that has experienced this that they haven't been affected by it themselves. So um, know that we keep all families that have a child in the hospital with significant health needs in our prayers daily. And so, um, you know, we're really, really thankful to to help spread the message of Vivian's victory. So thank you. Awesome. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Isn't Maria just so inspiring? She's just a life force. And I, I love everything about her and her approach to dealing with uh, what God has given her in her life and making good things from even what seems horribly bad and bringing really good things out of it. So um, let's let's add Maria and her, her work and Vivian's victory to our prayers here at Girlfriends, along with all the victims of the recent hurricanes, Hurricane Harvey in Texas and Hurricane Irma in the Caribbean and in Florida. Good things for us to focus on and to pray about in the coming week. Before I move on, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who supports the Girlfriends podcast through Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge as little as a dollar per episode to support your favorite podcast. It's a way you can show your appreciation and support of what we do here at Girlfriends. If you appreciate what I do here week after week, and if you want to make sure that it continues to be available every single week for free for everybody, this is one way that you can make that happen. And that's by supporting the show through patreon.com. As little as a dollar per episode or more if you're able. You can also set a monthly budget so you never go over depending, you know, I'm I'm never going to do more than one episode per week. <laughs> but you can also safeguard yourself against that by uh, setting a monthly budget. And so it works for you and your family budget. Your support is more meaningful than you know. So thank you so much. Those of you who do support Girlfriends at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. And for those who are considering becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com. I also want to make sure to thank Ascension Press, who partners with me each week to bring you this podcast. You can check out all of their media and podcasts and videos and uh, studies for your church group, everything that will entertain and inspire you and educate you and bring you together with your community to learn about the awesomeness of our Catholic faith. You can check all of that out at ascensionpresents.com. I also want to share some places that I'm going to be sharing the You're Worth It retreat and also speaking at some different conferences in the coming months. So next place coming up, I'm coming to Carmel, Indiana, Saturday, September 30th at St. Elizabeth Seton Church, bringing the You're Worth It retreat to the ladies there. It looks to be a great day and registration is ongoing. So check out the link in the show notes at daniellebean.com to uh, find out how you can be a part of that day if you're anywhere in the area at in Carmel, Indiana. Then Saturday, October 21st, I'm going to be speaking at the Together in Holiness Conference in Wichita, Kansas. Love you, Kansas. And if you're in Kansas, I would love it if you could come out and we could meet in real life. So Wichita, Kansas, that's October 21st. You can get more information and registration, all the details at daniellebean.com. I'm going to link it up in the show notes. 
Also, I'm going to be speaking at the Women's Conference in Winona, Minnesota on Saturday, October 28th. So really excited to meet the people there. If you're in Minnesota, I'd love for you to come out and meet me. Get all the details at daniellebean.com. And then lastly, I'm going to be speaking November 4th, Saturday, November 4th, again at a Together in Holiness conference that's going to be taking place in St. Augustine, Florida. I don't know how they fared in the hurricane, but I'm sure they'll have some stories to share with me. So um, if you are in that area, you probably are not listening to this podcast because you probably don't have power right now. Anyway, I'm going to be there Saturday, November 4th. And um, I've got other people that I'm in um, the planning stages for more events later on in the year and at the start of 2018. So I'm excited about new opportunities to bring your worth it to different people all over the country. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to bring my retreat, You're Worth It, to your parish, your community, your women's group. I would love to come out and meet you. I would love to help you to make it happen. Different people from all different walks of life have put this event together, some with no experience at all, some with lots of experience, sometimes with the backing of the diocese, sometimes just the little women's group makes it happen. So I love being able to see that, um, you know, play out in the different ways that God has plans for the women of your community. I love seeing how that plays out in all the different areas and all the different parishes and all the different women's groups all over the place. So if you have it on your heart that you want to do something for women in your community and you want to know more about You're Worth It, uh, my retreat that's based on the themes in my book, You're Worth It, about Jesus's unique love for women and what we can learn about that from the women in the Gospels, the real stories of the real women that Jesus knew and taught and loved and healed and touched and they heard his voice. We have a lot to learn from these women. They're not just storybook characters. They're real people. And these stories speak to us today and can teach us a lot about the relationship we're meant to have with Jesus inside of those Gospel stories. So, I'm excited to share the themes of the retreat with you. If you want more information about the retreat, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. Or if you don't want to do a day retreat and you just want to have me come out as a speaker for your event, for your women's conference, whatever it is you might have going on in your area, you can get information about that at daniellebean.com forward slash speaking. I would love the opportunity to come out and meet you and to plan an event together. And now is when I usually do feedback, and I do have some great feedback from uh, some listeners this week, but I am out of time. I've got a kid I need to go and pick up. So I'm just going to end right here, thanking you for being here, thanking God for his goodness and his providence and his protection of all the students at Ave Maria, all the people in Florida, just continued prayers for healing and recovery there. People are going to be really rebuilding their lives in the coming weeks. So um, let, let's just pray for their their strength and their peace and that they, they can rest in knowing God's love for them and God's providence for them um, during the coming weeks, which are sure to be challenging for the people of Florida. And in the meantime, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this time with me. I really do. I don't take for granted at all the fact that we all have limited amount of time and that you choose to spend some of your week with me here at Girlfriends week after week. It's really very meaningful to me. So thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy.